0: Welcome to Homestand Sports, the podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney who
1: will tell us why LeBron James was three points away from giving us generational receipts.
0: Wow. Well, on today's show, is William Nylander officially an NHL superstar? Should anybody take the Maple Leafs seriously until they improve their blue line? How worried should the Oilers be about McDavid and Dreisaitl? And yes, Justin Pooney will explain why LeBron James was three points away from printing generational receipts. I don't know, but we'll find out. Lots to get to and lots to answer, so let's get this party started. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this is Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage. All right, Dresden. So the Maple Leafs uh, wrapped up their big trip in Sweden, the Global Series, with two big wins. Uh, but mm-hmm. the notable storyline coming out of that is William Nylander. What was your biggest takeaway from Toronto Sweden trip?
1: Exactly that, William Nylander. I think he just looked so comfortable. He looked like it was kind of like it was his weekend. You know, when you go to the NHL all, or NBA All Star Weekend and whatever, and there's a host. The the All Star from that respective city is the host. It looked like William Nylander was the host of this weekend uh, in Stockholm. looked like he was at home. He was smiling the whole time. His on-ice performance was, as on par with what he's done all season, been excellent. I think William Nylander has kind of set himself up as the Robin to Austin Matthews Batman up for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think he has passed Mitch Marner as the second most important player on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think we talked about it last week about is it time to think about moving Nylander I think the performance he's put on this season so far and how he's played I think it's made it clear as day that it's time for him to move him to leapfrog Mitch Marner excuse me and Brad Tree Living to really consider moving Mitch Marner really yeah I was not expecting that from you
0: today I really wasn't I mean, we're 17 games in, but I'll give you my takeaway as well. And, and yeah. I have two of them, but let's start with William Nylander 12 goals, 15 assists, 27 points, uh, 17 game point streak at the moment, which ties uh, an active player and Connor McDavid, who did it in 21, 22, who I think ended that season with about 123 points. So that's the type of season Nylander is on pace for. Will mm-hmm. he get there? Who knows? Just 17 games in. But I will say this you know, some players really they feel the pressure of a contract year. And they can let it affect their game in a negative mm. way. But for Nylander, that's just not the case. At least not yet. And I think I, think I can say this, and, and I feel pretty confident saying that that he's playing at a level right now only a few players in the league can get to. And that's McDavid, I think Seidel, Matthews, McKinnon. Maybe you can throw... Crosby in there, Pasternak to a certain extent. But mm-hmm. I would Patterson. say only a handful of players can really play at that level. Pedersen we'll get to. I'm sure we will. <laughs> but what I mean by that is uh, every single shift, he has an expectation now to do something, and he usually delivers. And now you are you have a player who has a fear factor about him where teams are going to game plan against him. That's what mm-hmm. Nylander is doing right now. He has so much confidence, five power play goals. Last season, he, only, he had nine. He's got five already playing with Matthews and he's tied for Matthews. He's making the most of his power play time. Let's not forget. I mean, near the end of last season, I believe in the playoffs, he was on the second power play unit. Now he's on the top unit and he's making the most of those minutes. Got the fear factor about him on the penalty kill with Austin Matthews. You know, he can do it on both sides of the game and that's why Keith has him in that situation. And he's become a, you know, a game changer, game breaker, game winner, all wrapped into one. And, when you when you have a player like that, um, it makes it difficult for a team like the Maple Leafs who are at the cap limit. Obviously, the cap is going to go up, but you have to make a decision on, are we going to keep this player who's really performing at the top of the, the peak of his game, just 17 games in? Are we going to give him the amount of money he deserves, or are we going to move on from him? So he's putting the Leafs in a difficult position, but putting himself in a great position because right now he is absolutely... The talk of the nhl and i think he needs yeah. to be taken seriously but but there's a huge but justin you have to be beware of the contract year mm-hmm. you know i'll go cool. back to jonathan huberdo and maybe this is not the best of examples <laughs> Yeah, but listen he signs that deal makes 10 and a half and now it's the 2023 season in November, Huberto is being benched by the Calgary Flames for an entire period. That's what can yeah. happen. I'm not saying that's what will happen with Huberto. Yeah. But, dude, he was coming off on a 115-point season. And dude. now he's nowhere near that player. And I think that's the concern, I think, across the league with every general manager. When yeah. you have a player to the caliber of Nylander, Huberto put up big points in a contract year. When you pay them, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, did we make the wrong decision? But you can't there's, – there's nothing you can look at that's going to tell you you made the right decision or not until you see the player play after the contract. But biggest takeaway is is William Nylander is clearly, you know, a superstar for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but a superstar in this league.
1: I absolutely agree with you about, not about the Huberto thing, about Nylander kind of elevating his game and be wary of the contract situation. The Huberto situation, I think Calgary was painted into a difficult situation where they lost, Johnny Goudreau, who at the 11th hour decided, I'm going to go to free agency, and then left. Matthew Kachuk requested a trade, so they overpaid for Huberto, right? I guess if they were a bit more confident in their situation, they could have let it play out and then sign him. They didn't want to. They offered him a big contract at that moment. He was also much older than William Nylander is, right? Not much older, but he's a little bit older. Yeah. If I'm William Nylander, right? And let's do a little exercise here, Albert. Do I go to July 1st or July 4th or whatever it is now, Right, and do I just you know do like a NBA style thing or an NFL style thing and meet with a bunch of different teams? The leads are included in that and weigh out my options, see what's out there. Do I do what Austin Matthews did and take a shorter term deal, a four year deal, for example, and then when the cap goes back up, then I'm back in the free agency market. You know, is that something that he considers doing? Is that that, rather than locking yourself into an eight year Old Max deal do you take a shorter term but you know reach that Aav whatever it's going to be 11.25 115 whatever he gets right that's what I'm really intrigued about is how does William nylander operate because this is a guy in the past and Leaf fans know this very well is fine with playing hardball in contract negotiations does he tell the Leafs you know what I'll meet with you guys I'll keep out the door open but I also want to see what else is out there if you guys don't give me exactly what I want that is something that's going to be very interesting and how Brad Tree Living has to maneuver around that is because if you let a guy like this hit free agency, hit the open market, then you're allowing other teams to get involved. He can see what else is out there, but also, you know, it creates more, what's the word I'm looking for? Empowerment on William Nylander's side. So that is mm-hmm. something to me is that going to be very interesting uh, moving forward. Yeah,
0: by all accounts, he wants to stay with they the Toronto Ableys. Right, that's what we hear, and mm-hmm. it's just it, it, there's a really good article on the Athletic that Pierre LeBrun wrote today, yep. and he talked to a bunch of GMs um, about what what they think Neilander's fair market value would be, mm-hmm. and it's so interesting because you had a range of nine and a half million all the way up to twelve million, yes. right? So that that's Neilander's in a great position. How much do you pay this guy? He's twenty eight years old. How many more years does he have left at his peak? And I'm, I'm I'm starting to lean towards a shorter term deal, yeah, similar to what Matthews got, but not the same amount. I don't think there's there's a world where he no. makes as much as Austin Matthews. And a lot of GMs I think compared the Sebastian Aho contract mm-hmm. and the Pasternak contract. I think he's in and around there, probably just below Pasternak. Regardless of the situation, take the Maple Leafs out of it and just focus on the player. Neilander can get, I think the amount the amount of money that he expects to get whether it's from the Leafs or any other team in the league he's in that position at the moment
1: yeah he is and look him I think what's gonna be very interesting is him and Elias Patterson again I bring the canucks into but you look at it both these guys are having career years huge starts two seasons and both them you know william nylander's ufa Patterson still got another year on his deal but both are in high leverage contract situations yeah. and from what we're hearing from Patterson is he's willing to take a shorter term deal a four-year deal where he can then opt out and get back into free agency and i'm wondering if a player like william nylander or players going forward Understand that now where, hey, if I take a shorter-term deal and I'm going to be, what, 30, 31, 32, and I can hop back in and get another big-ticket deal, that might be something that might be the norm in the the NHL that we see in the NBA where guys take shorter-term deals. It continues to have them to have all the leverage. It keeps those teams on their toes, and it maximizes their profitability because the cap is supposedly going to go up and up and up in the NHL. Uh, My other takeaway was the Toronto
0: Maple Leafs Again, they need help on defense. This is, yeah. it's getting bad. I mean, they're seventh in goals against. That's in and around like the Flames, the Sharks, the Blackhawks. You know, the best teams in the league aren't high in that category. They keep the puck out of the net. And if you, if you look at this Toronto Maple Leafs decor, right? Mm-hmm. You go Morgan Riley. He's been great. But after Riley, there's a serious drop off. You go Brody yeah. and Giordano. Got two vets who are clearly past their prime playing too many minutes because they have to make up for a lack of quality on that blue line. Then you have Jake McCabe. And I'll say I thought he looked pretty good against Minnesota. He was effective with a stick checking. He was physical in the corners. But he's average at best. Let's not forget before the injury, he was horrible. People were calling him for to be benched and not even play with the Leafs anymore. But that's not going to happen. Lilgren, he's hurt, but he's not a top four guy. He's a guy who can fill in, I think, occasionally but he's a bottom pairing guy. Then you got Klingberg, who's completely gone MIA. This injury seems to be mm-hmm. a serious issue. It looks like he's heading towards LTIR and maybe done with the team. I don't know how long that's going to go on for. So you're going to be missing a defenseman there, but you can't have a four plus million dollar guy just sitting in the press box for the rest of the season. That's not going to happen. Then you got William Laguson and Simon Benoit better than expected, but let's be real. They're sixth seventh, eighth defenseman at best. They're AHL guys. There's a reason why they haven't been playing in the league. And I just can't take this team seriously until they improve this blue line. There's absolutely no chance of the Toronto Maple Leafs winning anything with this blue line. And this whole regular season, once again, is going to be all for naught. William yeah. okay, it's been fun. Matthews scoring hat-tricks, great. You know, Marner contributing. There's some good stories. Looks like Bertuzzi's turning it around. But after that, you get to the playoffs, and if if you have a decor that's this, or let's say even marginally better, there's no yeah. chance.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Like, look, defense wins championships, right? You look, it's a cliche and all that, but it's true. Defense wins championships. I mean, when you look at the goaltending and the defense core of this Toronto Maple Leafs team, it's not a championship-level squad. From that perspective, up front, the top six forwards are probably the best, one of the best in the league, right? We know that that's a time old tale, but Albert, you are absolutely correct. We don't know what's going on with John Klingberg. He's walking around Sweden with an undisclosed injury. Nobody knows what's going on. Again, you don't have Timothy Lilgren. What are you going to do? You mentioned it and I'm, every week we talk about this, you cannot keep trotting Mark Giordano out for 20-plus minutes, 15-plus minutes a game. TJ Brody is not that guy. Morgan Riley is a very good NHL defenseman. He is not a Victor Hedman. He is not an Alex Petrangelo. He is not one of those guys, right? As much as he's been a great soldier for the Leafs and all of that, he is not a lead guy on a championship-caliber defense court. He's not. But you're stuck with him and you have that big contract. What do you have to do as Tree Living to address that need? You have to. We just talked about it. You have mm. to sell off assets up front. You have to sacrifice some offense to build a defense core, Albert. That is exactly how you win. You have to win from the middle of the ice up. Your center ice position has to be strong. Your defense core has to be strong. And your goaltending has to be strong the latter half that the Leafs have the goaltending and defense score, there are way too many question marks for them to be considered a championship contender. And like you mentioned, I think when you look at this Toronto Maple Leafs team and this current iteration of them, all the blame goes on the core four, right? The Matthews, the Marner, the Nylander, the Tavares, if you want to include Riley, sure. But The consistent failure from the front offices, from one regime to the next, to not build a strong-caliber NHL championship-level defense court, and it, it bites them in the ass every single year. They chose to go with Samsonov, who's proven to not be a number one goalie this year. You are now relying on a guy in Joseph Wall, who is essentially a rookie, right? How many rookie goalies do we know lead a team to a Stanley Cup. It was what? Ken Dryden and I think what Matt Murray and then we look what happened to Matt Murray, right? When you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and you look at this construction of the roster, it is a failure every single year because they do not prioritize defense. You mentioned it. They're at the bottom half of the league in giving up goals, right? They're going to have... You cannot win shootouts. We're looking at the Edmonton Oilers right now who cannot keep winning shootouts because their defense and goaltending is weak. The teams that win championships are the teams that are able to keep the puck out of their net in the playoffs when the going gets tough and are able to score timely goals. The Leafs are not built like that, Albert.
0: The Leafs are in a better position in terms of the Oilers because they can not win those shootouts because their forwards are are clicking and they're so good. Yeah. We'll get to the Oilers forwards because mm-hmm. I think there's massive concern and I'll, I'll address that later. But I'm actually okay with the with the tandem in Samsonov and and Wall. I know it's early, but if you put a, a better decor in front of that, I think it'll be a lot safer and a lot better. But listen, there's still a lot for Bradbury living to do. The concerns we'll be talking mm-hmm. about this throughout the entire season until they're addressed. By all accounts, there's reports that by the end of this week, there could be a move made by Tree Living and some defensemen could be coming in for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we'll discuss that on the show when it does happen because I'm sure it will. Okay, coming up after the break, we're going to bring on Steven Sahoyas of North Star Bets. Just we got a big Monday nighter tonight. Chiefs against Eagles. And Stevie P has got some big bets for us uh, for tonight's Monday nighter. Stay tuned. All right, let's bring in our guest right now from North Star Best, Steven Sahoya. Stevie P, thanks for joining us. we got a big Monday nighter tonight, maybe the uh, biggest Monday nighter of the season. It has to be, right? It's the Chiefs laying two and a half at home to the Philadelphia
2: Eagles. Which way are you leaning so far? I like Philly plus the points here. I just think Kansas City's offense hasn't really been pushed yet in a game. Even the week one loss to Detroit, the Lions only scored 21 points. Now, credit to that defense because the Chiefs have been one of the best defensive teams all year. It's, it's funny how the, 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 the script has kind of flipped on the Chiefs where they become such a strong defensive team while the offense is trying to figure stuff out. But I think Philly's got the weapons on offense in A.J. Brown, in Devonta Smith, in DeAndre Swift to push Kansas City somewhere where they haven't been comfortable playing this season. So I'll take the Eagles plus the points, and I like them as a money line play too at plus money odds.
1: TV, but aren't you worried about this Philly secondary? They ranked, what, 28th against the pass, allowed 19 passing touchdowns. Last year, that secondary was probably the best in football, and then it got exposed in the Super Bowl, and it's been downhill ever since. I know the Chiefs don't have a great wide receiver core, but when well, you got a guy in Travis Kelsey, you got a guy in Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid is, what, 31-6 and after a bye? Don't you think that he would take advantage of that weak secondary the Eagles have?
2: I, I just don't think they can. I just don't think they have the receiving weapons to do that. I think the teams that we've seen do the best against the Eagles and that secondary are teams that have two or three guys that you can really rely on. Remember, the Vikings put up some pretty gaudy totals on that secondary, but they had Jefferson healthy. They had Addison, Hawkinson. Like there was a lot of ways you could put that football or spread that football around. Washington, you don't think of them as a team with a lot of intriguing wide receiver weapons, but mclaurin's having another solid season Jahan dotson's been very good uh they have curtis samuel and uh, antonio gibson's always dangerous out of the backfield too i, I just don't think kansas city has the, the 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 depth of weapons to make up for that i think if you take away kelsey this offense we've seen it look pretty lifeless most weeks
0: all right Stevie, let's talk let's talk some props and we did that before the show started me and justin told you how much we 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 not that we hate first touchdown scores. We can't really predict them. I mean, we've hit one out of a million so far this season.
2: But you're leaning towards some first touchdown props for this Monday nighter tonight. Yeah, there's four guys in particular that I'm eyeing up, and the first is Jack Stoll, the tight end, who will probably take up the most of the work uh, for the Eagles with Dallas Goddard out. His snap uh, he had a 44% snap share in the the previous game that the Eagles played, so he filled in a lot when Goddard cleared. There's a couple other guys further down the board as well. Grant Calcaterra, he had a concussion, so he left that game early, but it looks like he's got to play tonight. And Albert Okue is someone who I'm looking at. These are guys that you're looking at upwards of like 50-1, to 55-1 uh, odds here at North Star Bets. Uh, Okue Bunum's an interesting athlete. He's not a very good blocker, so I could see him actually taking a larger role in the receiving game, replacing Goddard that way while well, other guys like Calcaterra and Stool do more of the blocking. And then one guy in the Chiefs I'm going to throw out there, he's at 25-1. to 1. That is uh, Noah Gray. He just always seems to get involved. Like I said, the Chiefs don't have a lot of options outside of Travis Kelsey, so the ball is going to get spread around when it goes to those second and third players. And I think uh, Noah Gray, yeah, you can find uh, and have a nose for the end zone tonight.
1: Stevie, uh, A.J. Brown besides Tyreek Hill, probably the best wide receiver in football on an absolute tear this season. Him and Jalen Hurts have been defenses nightmares all season. We know this chief's defense is probably the best it's ever been in the Patrick Mahomes era. I think his line is set at 79 and a half right now on North star bet. Would you lean the over or the under for AJ Brown total yards tonight? I'd go under. I think
2: now with no Goddard, you can kind of focus a little more on these outside wide receivers because even though the uh, I mentioned these guys as good first touchdown scorers, it's hard to rep- – none of them are Goddard. You're not going to replace him. So I think the, the Chiefs, who have been very good against the pass this year, I believe they're allowing the third fewest yards per attempt in the NFL this season, I think they can really limit the Eagles through the air. Philly's a run-first team. They're going to want to run the ball against this Kansas City team. They're 27th in opponent yards per rush attempt. So I think the key to success for the Eagles tonight will actually be running the football So expect a big night from a guy like DeAndre Swift who will also help replace Goddard in the sense that he runs a lot of his routes in the short to intermediate area of the field and over the middle. So I think Swift will have a big night tonight. I'm not really looking to bet on either of the wide receivers or Jalen Hurts to go over for that matter.
0: Well, not only will I be hammering my boy Albert at North Star Best for a first touchdown. (laughs) I'm going to be sprinkling a little bit on a parlay that you put together over at North Star Best. You have an article out right now. Um, looking at some NHL action, and you got a parlay. It's a three-teamer, including your favorite, the Boston Bruins, who are just absolutely rolling right now, Stevie.
2: Yeah, and it's as a Bruins fan, like as a fan of any team, you can admit that it's sometimes hard to look at your team objectively. But these are the facts coming into this game. Boston's got the best save percentage in the NHL. They're allowing the fewest goals per game, and right now they rank tenth in goals four per game. They're just one slot behind Tampa Bay, who ranks ninth. The Lightning, meanwhile, are 24th in team save percentage, and they're allowing the sixth most goals per game. So the edge has to go to the Bruins, even on the road. I still like Boston in that matchup. In that uh, parlay piece, I also picked the, the Panthers to win tonight against the Oilers. Edmonton, Justin and I talked about this on Friday. I said, wait and see with the Oilers. I'm like, hold hold on the horses. Hold up the horses just yet. I'm not ready to say they're just back. They, they play a good offense, and what happens? They get lit up for six goals. The, the goaltending issues are still there. And you got a Florida team that's been playing pretty good between the pipes. They just got Ekblad and Montour back, so I like Florida as well. And then to also get that parlay over plus 300, that's kind of the, the sweet spot I was looking for. I bank, I'm bank. i banking a couple of goals with the Coyotes against the Kings. They've covered as a plus 2.5 underdog in 10 of their last 11.
0: Boston, 13-1-2. I don't know how they keep doing it, Stevie, but I know you're a happy man, and I thank you so much for jumping on today.
2: Yeah, no worries. I am a happy man, and I hope for more happiness moving forward, including tonight, as they cash that parlay for me. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: All right, Albert. It is November 20th on a Monday morning, and Connor McDavid is fifth on the Edmonton Oilers in scoring, and Leon title has just six goals on the season. My question is very simple. The Edmonton Oilers, the biggest dumpster fire in the, N- in the N- NBA, the NHL, excuse me. How worried should you be?
0: If I'm the Oilers, I'm extremely concerned. I mean, especially because you need to play well above 500 hockey just to make the playoffs. When I say playoffs, I mean a wild card. Forget anything in the division because you're not catching the teams in your division. But I think there should be much more concern with McDavid than Sidle. I mean, Dreisaitl has not played well. It almost looks like he's injured. He's a bit sulky. And I know he says he wears his emotions on his sleeve, but you can see it on the ice too. Uh, But the guy, he's walked to 21 points while playing like garbage. Let's be real. You look at McDavid, 91st in scoring, two goals in 11 games. Fifth, like you said, in scoring on his own team. That's not good. And this never happened to these two players. And Dreisaitl himself even said it. He goes, this has never happened, that both of us have felt this way. It's a bad time. And he, he went on to say, you know, we're human beings and we care a lot. Um, I'm working at finding my game as soon as possible, yada, yada, yada. And what all that tells me is that those quotes really worry me because it's saying that they don't know what's happening, at least Subtle doesn't, and they don't have an answer. Do, yeah. I, do I believe at some point this season they will break out of it and get back to what they have been the past five, six seasons, two of the best players in the NHL? Absolutely. But I'm worried that it takes too long. And if it takes too long for the Oilers, they're not going to make the playoffs. And yet again, this this small window of opportunity to win a Stanley Cup with McDavid and Dreisaitl is going to shrink if they don't find their scoring touch. This is a big concern. Look at the power play last year. Best power play ever. That's all anyone ever talked about when you heard about the Oilers is how good that power play was. Now with the 22nd worst power play in the league right now, it's really fallen off. And you know, they're average at best. The way that they're playing. yeah, And it's really McDavid that concerns me. He can't find his game. He's not scoring goals. Um, I don't know if he's injured. He could be. But, you know, based on the way we see him play at times, he looks fine. It's just the puck's not going in the back of the net. But if I'm the Oilers, the concern is definitely there. And they need to find it, I think, before the new year rolls around.
1: I think we've never seen since both these guys came into the league and have been with the Edmonton Oilers, we've never seen these guys struggle as much and struggle as much at the same time. That's what makes yeah. it so glaring. The fact that the two best players in hockey and I still believe that these two guys are the best two players in hockey yeah. struggling at the same time, it and then the team is losing because they need them so much, it amplifies it to such a high degree. Um Leon Draisaitl, I do want to say this. He sulks, he you know, you see him you know slashing guys in the back of the leg. He's got it's not a mean streak. It's kind of like a a hissy fit streak where he just throws a hissy fit and then he won't back check and he won't you know, get back in the play and he'll float around and stuff like that. That stuff right there is stuff that you need to cut out because those are habits that guys on the rest of the team will see because they say, oh, well, Leon can do it. Why can't I? I'm not going to back check. Forget it. I'm going to get my frustrations to get the best of me. It's a collective group from McDavid and Saddle that have to change that mentality for the Oilers and get out of this funk because they got them in this funk. They got to drag them out, Albert. And it's as simple as that when it comes to Edmonton Oilers. Yeah.
0: Serious concern. I mean, considering McDavid had 153 points last season <laughs> yeah. behind him was his buddy Drysaddle, 128 points yeah. problems in Edmonton. Okay. Let's switch mm-hmm. gears to the NFL. Um, overreaction or reality. The Buffalo Bills beating the Jets 32-6 yeah. in Week 11 on Sunday puts them back into a position where they're going to make the playoffs.
1: Well, when you look at it, I was looking this morning at some, you know, some different analytics companies that give out playoff percentages. They're saying that the Bills are at, I think, 26% to make the playoffs. Which look, there's a big win against the Jets. Again, it's the Jets and Zach Wilson and all that stuff. But they're six and five, right? They're about a half game behind Pittsburgh for the half game behind, behind Pittsburgh and Houston for the final two wild card positions. But Albert, I'm looking at the Steelers schedule, and I don't know what type of like luck Mike Tomlin has or what he did in a previous life to get the luck that he has right now. One of the best coaches I one of the best coaches in the NFL for sure. But Albert, they play the Bengals this week with no Joe Burrow. They take on the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Colts, the Bengals again, my Seahawks and finish off at the at the Ravens. They could literally only lose two more games for the rest of the season, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right? With that defense and Kenny Pickett is a horrible starting quarterback. He is horrible, right? Anthony Richardson has more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett has since October, I think. And Anthony Richardson has been out for the season, right? Tommy DeVito has more multiple touchdown passing games than Kenny Pickett. He's horrible, right? But the Steelers' schedule is so light that I think they just walk into the playoffs, and I think the Bills, they have a tough schedule. They have what they have left. They have this week, they have a uh, the, the Eagles. Sorry, next week, they have uh, Sunday, they have the Eagles, excuse me. Yep. Then they're bye week then the Chiefs, then the Cowboys, then the Chargers, who are a dumpster fire, and the Patriots, and then the Dolphins. Look, it's not going to be easy. So I think the Buffalo Bills are on a collision course to miss the playoffs this year, just because of their schedule and the teams around them that they have to hop over, and their easy schedule they have.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. They don't make the playoffs. Um, Bill's got some serious, serious issues. Okay, I'm going to give you the final word, new segment on this podcast, the final word uh, for today's show. So on Sunday night... LeBron James scored a season high 37 points hit the game winning free throw to lead the Lakers over the Rockets. It was LeBron's fifth 30 point game this season. And listen to this, his 18th game of 30 or more points for LeBron James since he turned 38 years old.
1: Justin, your final word on LeBron James. Greatness. I mean, can you expect anything else from LeBron James? And the fact that The Lakers still need LeBron James to put up 37, 6, 8, and then also three steals, Albert. Don't forget the three steals. He's helping on the defensive end, too, to beat the Houston Rockets, who are playing a lot better. They're playing a lot better. But it is a shame that LeBron James has to continue to do so much just for the Lakers to stay above 500. And then what Anthony Davis had 27 points, but after that, the next highest was Austin Reeves at 17. Nobody else really did much. So LeBron James continues to do what LeBron James does best, and that's put up numbers, historically great numbers, do what he does best. But Rob Polinka and the Lakers, they got some problems. And I don't know if they can rely on a mid-season trade like they did last year to get them out of it, but also embrace... And enjoy what we have with LeBron James right now because it's not going to last forever. And when he's gone, this game and the sporting landscape of the world is going to miss it in great All
0: right, that's it from us at Homestand Sports. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Don't forget, we'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple Amazon, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. I'm Albert Vartanian. This has been Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage.